Hello everyone, I'm Ben Henwood, and welcome to the first episode of New Generation. Um, I'm going to be the host for this podcast, and the first thing I really want to go over is why I decided to start this podcast. So the reason I really wanted to start New Generation is because I wanted to create a podcast which discusses the issues, values, and opinions of members of our generation, Generation Z. And I thought this would be helpful because often when we try to talk about the things that matter to us, uh, to people generally older than us, uh, they'll say, oh, well, well, you just don't understand, like you're too young, or you don't know enough about this subject, or they'll do my, my personal favorite, this is just how shit works. And I think all of that is complete bullshit. We're all very smart people. Um, we're smart enough to form our own opinions. We're smart enough to do research on these opinions, and we we take action. Um, I would argue that we're the most politically and socially active generation that the world has seen in a while, and this is across the world. This isn't just in the U.S. This is in the U.K. This is in Russia, Germany, China, Japan, Hong Kong. I mean, shit. You guys see what's happening in Hong Kong? People are taking to the streets, and and talking about their opinion, saying like, "Yo, China, we don't want you to do this this shit that you're trying to do. We don't we don't want to be a part of um, China, you know." And that's just an example of, of it on a global scale and, and on a, a scale in terms of, of our nation. I mean, shit, what happened this summer? Everybody going to protest police brutality, protest for criminal justice reform. I thought that shit was great. I thought it was amazing. It, it shows that we have power. And I wanted to make a podcast where we can truly discuss things that matter to us, um, hot topic issues that matter to us. And I just really wanted to create a safe space where that stuff can be discussed without judgment. Um, so the first thing I really wanted to get into is COVID-19. And I'm going to I'm gonna talk about COVID-19 literally in every episode of the podcast. Uh, at the beginning of every episode, I'm just going to go over a general rundown. But I wanted to go into it a little more since we're in the middle of the second wave of the virus. So first things first, um, today is November 14th. Yesterday was November 13th. So yesterday, there were 181,000 new cases of the coronavirus in the United States. Um, along with 1,389 new deaths. Uh, I know many people's counter-argument to, to this virus and how it how it's not as serious as it may be is that the death rate is only 99.6%. Like, you know, uh, they also use use the, the fact that, oh, like if, if testing goes up, of course positive cases are going to go up. And yes, that is, that's a very good point. But that's not what we're focused on. What we're focused on is that hospitalizations are going up, deaths are going up. If hospitalizations and deaths are going up, that means that people are suffering symptoms of the virus, um, and that's not good because that means that the virus is getting maybe mutating, having people um, suffer more symptoms. More and more people are not asymptomatic. That's what that means, um, and that's something that's troubling. And we have reached record highs for daily amounts of cases in our nation and in the state. Not just for cases, but with deaths as well, which I think is extremely troubling. And I think it stems to the fact that we need to come together and understand that this virus, even if it doesn't directly affect you, it affects others. And when we can realize that, I think we can finally band together and be like, yo, like, let's just get rid of this shit. So we have something to maybe look forward to in the summer or look forward to next fall. And I think that's something we finally need to do. And it does affect others. Um, in different ways it affects other people more so than certain groups of people unfortunately discrimination does exist in healthcare systems 
certain doctors and nurses will discriminate against people just because of their race or their sexual orientation and stuff like that. So there are certain people who haven't been able to get treatment for COVID-19 just due to their identity. Um, another big portion of this, and by the way, this is all from um, the CDC. So this is not me spewing bullshit. Like this is all factual based stuff. Um, it goes back to also healthcare access and utilization. Um, people from some racial and ethnic minority groups are more likely to be uninsured than non-Hispanic whites. And we need to take that into account. Um, another thing that we need to really discuss and talk about is that certain people from, from racial and ethnic minority groups may hesitate to seek care because they just don't trust the government and the healthcare systems uh, responsible for um, inequities in, in treatment. We also need to take into account that some people live in more crowded conditions, so it makes it more challenging to follow prevention strategies, right? Um, there's also educational income and wealth gaps, right? So people with limited job options likely have less flexibility to flexibility to leave their jobs, and that ends up putting them at a higher risk um, to COVID-19. So I think we need to put all these things into account when we talk about the coronavirus and, and that it does affect other people disproportionately and that if you are a privileged a person of privilege that that you need to think of that when when you think about going out and when you think about you know doing stuff that that is is against guidelines you need to understand that this affects people disproportionately some people just can't leave their job for a day because that's a paycheck that they're missing out on right so that's something that we definitely need to think about and something that we need to continue to talk about moving forward and i think that there are some positive things um, that will be coming in January when President-elect Biden is inaugurated, barring some crazy information that comes out. Um, he will be inaugurated in January, um, and he has a he has a he does have an attack plan for COVID-19, and he has plans to um, kind of impose curfews, maybe shut down America for like literally three to six weeks. Um, hopefully get another um, stimulus check out there. And I think a stimulus check really ben benefits everyone because, you know, the businesses that are suffering, if somebody gets a stimulus check, they're more likely to go purchase stuff because it's the, the amount of money on the stimulus check may not be enough to pay a bill, but it's enough to just get shit that you might want that you weren't able to get before because you, you've been paying bills. Um, and... Of course, he wants to. He has a plan to aid smaller businesses that have been affected by the pandemic and stuff like that. So I, I do remain optimistic about um, what's coming ahead with the coronavirus. Um, the next thing I really wanted to talk about is kind of all the myths and the shit that's been going on um, on social media regarding the election because I think it's very troubling to see the amount of, of misinformation that has been spread over the past two weeks because it's dangerous because. When you spread fake news, people generally are not gonna gonna fact check it immediately. They're just gonna they're just gonna hit share. They're just gonna post on their story, retweet it, like it, whatever. They're not really gonna pay attention about where it's where it has come from or or who said it, anything like that. Um, and I think that's 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 not cool. That's not good at all. Because when when you spread misinformation, you're you're kind of adding to the, the bullshit if that makes any sense like for example um as of now there have been no there's been no evidence of actual voter fraud in our election this year and president trump and his team continue to have these 
these baselic, baseless counts of voter fraud. They're like, there's, there's been widespread voter fraud, and people keep retweeting this fake news about it, um, saying that dead people are voting and that, that, you know, the machines don't work and shit like that. Um, but that's dangerous because you're taking away um, from the transition that the smooth transition that the, that the Biden administration deserves and that any president deserves. I mean, if you go back to 2016, President Obama, I mean, he helped President Trump to no end. I mean, it was a very smooth transition. In, in, his, in a press conference, he literally said, he was like, my next 70 days are devoted to helping President Trump get adjusted to his role and, and helping his administration uh, with any questions they have or any anything that they need answered in, in terms of moving into the White House or, or how the White House works and just stuff like that. And I think that President Trump needs to do that for President Biden because if he if he does love America as much as he does, he would want to see the success of our, of our future president, as I said before, barring any crazy information that comes out about possible voter fraud with evidence. But um, yeah, he should want he should want America to be successful, and if he wants America to be successful, him and his team should really commit to helping Joe with a with a successful transition period. And and I hope that's something that um, can be done soon. Um, but I want to go over some of these um, some of these tweets or pictures and shit that was spread on social media because um, it's not cool to spread shit like that, right? First thing I want to go over is. Um, whatever the fuck happened in wisconsin um like some guy ends up tweeting out like voter registration numbers from wisconsin it was mike mike kudre michael kudre i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly so what he tweeted is he says that wisconsin has more votes than people who are registered to vote the total number of registered voters three million one hundred twenty nine thousand total number of votes cast three million two hundred thirty nine thousand nine hundred twenty this is direct evidence of fraud that's fucking false um so he was using voter registration numbers from the 2018 primaries as of november 1st voter registration numbers in wisconsin um were at three million six hundred eighty four thousand seven hundred twenty six so yeah, that's, I mean, that's just mis misinformation, misinformation right there. And why that's dangerous is like, he's, he's spreading fake news. He's, he's adding to, to this whole fake story of there being voter fraud widespread across the U.S. Because as, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as other leg legislators are concerned, there's been no real evidence of this. And when you add to the shit show, it's just going to create, it's going to create unnecessary, just bickering when there could be a smooth transition for the Biden presidency instead of a bunch of bickering. Something else I wanted to go over is that there was a video on Twitter of like a lady, she just got done voting and she was talking to, I don't know if it was a reporter or a Trump supporter, but um, basically like what she was saying is that um, when she went in to vote, they, the, the polling place gives you a Sharpie. Um, and she said that apparently voting machines supposedly cannot read ballots marked with Sharpie. Um, that's completely false. Um, I know in Pennsylvania, um, I because I, I know stuff 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 varies across states, right? I know in PA they gave us Sharpies and my shit went through the machine completely fine. And I mean I know that's like a baseless baseless source right there, but an actual source here is that Maricopa County officials said Sharpies do not invalidate ballots. 
Um, and the Secretary of State for Arizona, Katie Hobbs, said on Twitter, quote, unquote, if you voted a regular ballot in person, comma, your ballot will be counted, comma, no matter what kind of pen you used, even a Sharpie with an exclamation mark. Um, so, yeah, that's that is another uh, false uh, claim of voter fraud here in the U.S. By the way, um, all these sources are, are a... Um, list of five viral vote claims fact-checked from BBC, um, BBC News. Um, the next thing I want to go over is um, the rumor going around that in Michigan, um, dead people were voting. So there are a bunch of tweets saying that dead people were casting their votes in Michigan, and um, this obviously ends up adding to the Trump-led chorus of, of unproven voter fraud claims, right? Um, Michigan authorities have said that these rumors are misinformation, noting that votes from dead people are rejected. Um, so the the viral tweets basically identify people who have had cast an absentee ballot despite being born at the turn of the century and, and being dead already. Turn of the century being like 1900. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously that that's that's weird. If you see somebody was born in the year nineteen hundred and somehow has an absentee ballot for um, uh, twenty twenty. Other things were people with with bad ages, like not bad ages, but ages that looked suspiciously old. One thing I wanted to to state is that there was a voter in Illinois who was one fourteen. So never let anyone's age fool you. Anyway. Um, one of the one of the this this has been rated as false by the way and here's here's why um one of the um the men that was supposedly in this video the names of the men actually was mixed up with his father the men both had the same name and address because they lived together and local officials in michigan told the site that the son's ballot was erroneously attributed to the father on the official voting system um, we've seen other kind of isolated cases of allegations of dead people voting. And this is, and this, by the way, this is from BBC News. This is not me just saying my opinion. This is, this is, this is fact here, um, that most of this is actually, um, kind of human error or software error and that stuff like this has been caught before. Um, an article on Reuters talked about how a Republican voter in Luzerne County actually tried to register his dead mother, tried to get her an absentee ballot, and that local county election officials actually ended up sniffing this out before it even got to the state level. And the election officials in Pennsylvania said that was very promising because that, that's proof right there that stuff like that will not get past the county level. Um, that's in PA. Um, in Michigan, though, um, as I said before, election officials said we've we've seen cases of these these baseless cases of dead people voting, technical hitches, um, voters being instructed to enter a dummy date of birth if they can't initially find their voter registration record online, stuff like that, right? Um, the next thing I wanted to go over was the infamous computer software glitch claim, where there was a glitch on like a a, a graph where it shows it shows Michigan votes and it shows Biden like sh literally shoot up. Um, with voters literal vertical straight line which looks fucking terrible at first um this was in one county in michigan and he actually uh there was a glitch um that caused six thousand votes to go six thousand votes to go to biden right um michigan secretary of state jocelyn benson 
said that this was quickly identified and corrected. And after this was corrected, by the way, Trump actually ended up winning that county. Um, so yeah, uh, there was, there ended up, there was a glitch, but it was corrected and, and the votes were actually correctly um, counted and whatnot. And the county ended up going to Trump. Um, so that's more misleading information there. Um, I just really think that the, the 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 moral of the story here is that spreading misinformation and spreading this shit really does not help anybody because we're taking away a, a transition period for the Biden uh, administration. And to ensure success of our democracy in the United States, we need a smooth transition period. We need our current president, Donald Trump, to talk to President-elect Biden and talk to him about some of the issues that Trump saw while he was in office with the White House, with domestic policy, foreign policy, anything just so they can really have a productive conversation and we can start getting shit on the road instead of arguing about stuff that has no fact behind it, right? And if there is evidence that comes out for voter fraud claims, okay. And it has to be evidence though, right? Um, so I think, I think there's a real issue in spreading misinformation because you're just contributing to the current sick shit show that is the 2020 United States presidential election. There's another real big problem that I have with this election. And that thing, or that problem that I see is that on social media, a lot of people are, are saying like, okay, like, you know, we can wake up the next morning and, and still be friends no matter the result of the election. Um, and that's, we can all still be civil, right? But you need to, to be more aware and understand why somebody's fucking pissed off if Donald Trump were to win. There's a difference between bickering over, not bickering, but, but debating over subjects that can be debated, right? So that's like economic policy, foreign policy, budgeting, stuff like that. That can all be debated. You're all, you can all have your own opinion on that. And that's stuff that can, there can be a healthy debate. And yeah, at the end of those conversations, you can absolutely agree to disagree, still be fucking amazing friends, right? But if you're a person of privilege who's not really affected by um, Amy Coney Barrett, being put into office, right? Uh, not put into office, being um, put in that new Supreme Court justice seat. She has said multiple times um, she's she's anti-abortion, right? Anti-LGBTQ plus rights. You need to really think if you're if you're not a part of that community, how does that affect your friends that are in that community, and how does that make you look if you support somebody who supports Amy Coney Barrett? It doesn't make you look good. Um, and you have to understand, yeah, these people are going to be fucking pissed off, as would I, if somebody was trying to tell me what I could do with my body, or if somebody was trying to tell me I can't marry the person I love. Um, and that leads into my next portion. We can absolutely debate on the topics um, that can be debated on, as I said, economic policy, budgeting, foreign policy, domestic policy, but you cannot fucking debate human rights, and you will never convince me that either. You cannot debate whether a woman can do whatever the fuck she wants with her body, especially if you're a fucking man. You have no right to fucking talk about abortion if you're a guy because you don't have to go through that fucking process. And I also feel like it's bullshit because most of the people who are pro-life are not fucking willing to fund um, Planned Parenthood um, or any other um, agencies and shit like that that would be able to help people have a baby if they chose to, right? Um, and they're also not willing to fund the foster care system either. Um, they're also the same people that... Um, will 
um, be supporting like the locking up of children in cages. Um, so it really seems like they don't give a fuck about children unless it's a fetus, which I think is kind of ass backwards. Um, but we can't debate human rights. We cannot debate what a woman's allowed to do with her body. We cannot debate um, somebody being allowed to marry who they want to marry. People can marry whoever the fuck they want to marry. That's not something you can debate. That's that's a right. That's a right that that person is given. You're allowed to marry whoever the fuck you want to marry. That's not something a legislator can debate, right? Somebody should not be shot due to the color of their skin. That's not something you can debate. You can debate criminal justice reform. You cannot fucking debate whether somebody should be shot based on the color of their skin, right? You can't fucking do that shit. And that's something that um, I think a lot of people need to sit back and realize, like, oh shit, this election has a lot of shit riding for people um, other than myself. If And when I say if you're privileged, generally if you're, if you're a, a cis white person, you probably didn't have a lot riding in this election, right? Um, people of the LGBTQ plus community, people who are minorities, women had a lot riding in this election. So I think you need to take a step back and realize when somebody swipes up on your story and says absolutely not we can't be friends depending on the result i think you need to understand that you definitely need to understand that because if you're openly supporting somebody or a group of people that is trying to suppress this person's rights they have every right to not want to fucking talk to you um as i said before and as i will keep saying it's a different story when it comes to economic policy obviously you guys can still be friends and still be civil over economic policy i have many friends who we have very varying um ideas about um economic policy gun control um domestic policy foreign policy shit like that but i will never debate anybody on human rights because it's human rights right you can't fucking debate that shit that's stuff that cannot be debated and i think people need to understand that that the people who had a lot riding on this election absolutely have every fucking right to be angry if there was a certain result especially if you were to contribute to that result because that shows that person that you don't give a fuck about their identity and you don't care about their rights um the next thing that i wanted to discuss that kind of pertains to this election is there were a bunch of people like posting on twitter or on instagram that oh like you know donald trump lost like um you know, but but guess what? We didn't we didn't burn down any cities. <laughs> um, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, I I just I I'm sorry I'm sorry that I, I took a a little like fucking I didn't talk for a second there because I think it's it's almost funny because the reason I like find this kind of funny is because after um, the results of the 2016 election. No cities were burnt down by by the uh, opposition or the opposing party or anybody who voted against Donald Trump. No cities were burnt down. People were very upset, rightfully so, because people are allowed to be a little upset if the, the candidate they want doesn't get in, especially when that candidate affects them directly, right? But no, no cities were fucking burnt down after the 2016 elections. No cities were burnt down after the 2018 primaries in which the Republicans ended up getting some wins, right? So I don't know like what precedent they're using that we have burnt cities down. 
and if they are talking about the peaceful demonstrations that happened over the summer due to the racial injustice and the um and the murders of of black men and women um that's fucking bullshit because no we didn't burn cities down there there were peaceful demonstrations and peaceful protests looters ended up taking advantage of the fact that police were focused on these peaceful demonstrations and protests so looters who had nothing to do with the movement ended up just fucking looting targets and and ended up committing these damages um these people weren't the ones who did commit these damages and even even if they did i mean what do you do when your government isn't listening to your cries for help what if what do you do when the government's not doing its job do you just sit there and do nothing no you you take action and you can interpret this quote however you want to because i feel like it's an an important quote since people love to quote mlk um this is a quote from him riding is the voice of the unheard when you're not listened to and you've exhausted every option what else do you do you don't just sit there and watch stuff happen you have to take action and you cannot be somebody who's upset and being like oh my gosh why you know why did this person do this why did this person let's say this person vandalized something and they put black lives matter on on pavement that actually happened and people were getting upset about it oh why did this person do this it's because no one's fucking listening to them and they clearly got your attention now so maybe you have time to think about racial injustice in the united states and racial injustice in the criminal justice system um but i, th- I thought that was funny how a lot of people were, were saying oh like we didn't burn down any cities no one else has ever burnt down a city over an election either i don't know do you want a fucking cookie uh, i mean shit i just thought that was i thought that was hilarious that definitely was something i was i was laughing out uh laughing at um throughout the 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 days following the election and i just i feel like that was something that needed to be brought up that that you can't really compare election results to peaceful demonstrations and gatherings that happened over the summer because legislators were not doing their job and their job is to listen to the fucking people and when something like that happens that's complete bullshit action needs to be taken and action was not being taken by our government so um that's why people had these peaceful gatherings that's why people were putting black lives matter on pavement so they could get your attention because you weren't paying attention to them previously but as far as i'm concerned and as far as other news sources are concerned um no supporters of the black lives matter or antifa (laughs) that's something i'm gonna go over next but uh, no supporters of the black lives matter movement um burnt down cities no democrats burned down cities antifa definitely fucking didn't burn down cities either and that's what i wanted to talk about next because it has to do with the spread of misinformation okay i know president trump cites antifa a lot and he says like antifa this antifa that like they're doing all this crazy shit guys antifa fucking isn't real (laughs) the fbi the director of the fbi even said this he said that antifa is an ideology which it is and it's an anti-fascist ideology and i really think this is hilarious because why the fuck would you be against an ideology that's against fascism it's literally an anti-fascist ideology there's no such thing as like an antifa organization this is so fucking funny i mean this is i find it hilarious because there's no such thing there there isn't and i think it's i think there's a deeper meaning though to why president trump and and other people are citing antifa to be such a bad group because first of all antifa is not a group 
right? They're not a group of people. Antifa's not a terrorist. They're not even a group. The director of the FBI even said this. But I think why President Trump continues to bring up Antifa is because he doesn't like the fact that people are going to the streets and holding him accountable for his actions or holding legislators in general accountable for their lack of action, actually. He doesn't like that. And that's why he's like, oh my gosh, these thugs are in the streets. No, no. There are literally people just peacefully protesting in the streets. And sometimes these videos that you see on social media, you need to to see if they've been taken out of context or not. And you need to see the facts because sometimes the 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 violent, you know, just brawls that end up happening during these peaceful protests are sometimes not incited by um, the peaceful protesters. Sometimes somebody gets punched in the face, somebody gets hit by a car, somebody gets beaten up by an officer for simply not moving, and then other people jump in because they're like, holy shit, like, why are you beating this person up? Like, you're not allowed to do that. Um, but I really think that, you know, that needs to die because there's no such thing as the the... the, the the fact that people think Antifa is a group needs to die. Like, that's not that's not true. As I said before, it's an ideology. The FBI director, I said it's an ideology. It's an anti-fascist ideology. If I mean, I don't know why an anti-fascist ideology bothers anybody because, I mean, shit, like, when, when you talk about fascism, you talk about people like Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler. So if, if you're not anti-fascist, like, what are you? Are you for fascism? That's a little odd. And then they wonder why sometimes the, the and I'm when I say they, I mean the people that consistently claim Antifa is like a, a group, and even when they're not a group that the ideology is bad, they end up wondering why they draw comparisons to, to Nazi Nazi sympathizers. Well, because the Nazis were fascists, and for some reason you have a problem with an anti-fascist ideology. Anyways, that's the end of that portion. Um, and then I wanted to end on something that I, I feel like is quite... Um, it's just, it's quite sad, and I wanted to bring it to light, um, and I wanted to save it for the end because I, I feel like it's very important. It's something I've realized and I talked about with my peers before. I personally feel as if in the United States, we are more fucking scared of the word socialism than a global pandemic, an assault rifle, anything, literally anything. We are more scared than the, we're more scared of socialism than fucking anything else. I don't know if anybody actually knows the true the, the true definition of socialism. Like people automatically are like, "Oh my gosh, like commun like socialism is communism, all this other shit, guys. If we didn't have some socialist policies or socialism-esque policies, we wouldn't fucking have public education. Your kids wouldn't be going to school. They the only way they'd be able to go to school is if you're privileged enough to pay for a private education. There are some things that socialism has, has brought amazing things in this country. Public education. As much as it's fucked up in certain states because it's it's a it's a it's a state by state thing, you know, education regulations and whatnot. We are able to give every child in this country an opportunity to learn, which is amazing, right? I don't think people understand that socialism and socialist or socialism-esque policy is literally in need in this country our roads are the product of socialism i know that may be a fucking eye-opening realization for you but it's it's that's socialism right there that's people paying taxes toward their state government and then the government being like okay thank you for giving us this tax now we're going to build you something that benefits you that everybody can use 
I'm, and I'm not, by the way, advocating for communism because if you look at precedent, communism hasn't worked. It only works on small scales. Um, but socialist policy and, and democratic socialism is good. It's progressive. It's, it's putting, putting money and funds towards something that everybody can use, as I said before, such as a road, such as a school, right? Such as a public park, right? Stuff like that. And, and I feel like it's, it's kind of ass backwards that in this country we are absolutely terrified of the word socialism. And another thing that I wanted to add on to this is that we literally persecute against people who, who have any democratic socialist ideas. So people like to shit on AOC because of her Green New Deal. But I, props to AOC. I mean, she, she found the solution to a problem we're facing, which is climate change. I mean, listen to the experts. There are people saying that if, if we don't change real quick within the next decade, we will be facing irreversible repercussions and that our earth will be in, uh, uninhabitable. And so AOC decided to make the, the Green New Deal, which plans to reduce carbon emissions and fossil fuel emissions um, to zero by a certain year. And people are like, oh my gosh, like that's going to destroy so many jobs or whatever. Like, like this is socialism. If you cared to read the Green New Deal, you would see that throughout this process, she makes sure that people um, would have an opportunity to gain jobs through um, these new possible sources of solar or wind energy. That they would have an opportunity to gain a job in these sectors. Um I think, and, and then again, with the Affordable Care Act, they're like, oh my gosh, this is socialism, or with Bernie's, um, Bernie's uh, Medicare for All plan, you don't have to, it's a buy-in system, by the way, that's what his plan was, you can absolutely keep your insurance if you want to, and this is a, a something I want to say, um, it would be fucking more expensive for you to actually keep your health insurance in, in that case um, than pay a monthly fee to have everything covered by the government. Literally, it would be more expensive. And you can look at the NHS model in the United Kingdom um, that has been um, a lifesaver for so many people in that country who do not make enough money to pay for quality healthcare insurance. They're able to get a CAT scan for like 20 bucks. Here, it costs a ridiculous amount of money, almost hundreds of dollars. Um, it literally costs like between twelve and forty thousand dollars to have a kid here in the United Kingdom. I think it costs a couple hundred. There's a there's a whole video on Vox about that if, if you're interested in looking at it. But what I wanted to end this conversation on is like I feel like we need to kind of take down this this close minded view of socialism being a bad word because socialism has actually brought great things. Anybody listening who has went to a public high school, congratulations, you are the product of socialism. If you have driven on a public road, congratulations, that road was the product of socialism, right? So I think we need to kind of tear down this negative connotation with the word socialism if we want to make progress anywhere. And if we want to start seeing eye to eye on things, we really need to be like, okay, like um, communism is something that's that's bad when not practiced effectively and not practiced on a small scale. But socialistic, so, democratic socialist policies and ideas are not bad at all. Not bad at all. And I think we need to have a more open mind when we discuss things about the, this and that the fact that most of it doesn't even come down to higher taxes. It just comes down to budgeting things correct, uh, correctly. 
Like, for example, maybe not spending as much on our defense budget. We spend more than the next nine countries in the top 10 defense budgets, by the way. We're number one. We spend more than the next nine countries combined. If you don't see a problem with that, I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, we could cut it down a little bit and still be number one, and we could allocate those funds elsewhere. Um, And hopefully that's what's going to happen. But that's really what I wanted to end this episode on. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Um, Episode two will be airing next week. We're going to have our first guest speaker. And in episode two, we're going to talk about um, some of the great strides that we've made in the diversity of our legislators and some of the big wins we had with diversity um, in Congress, the House of Representatives. Um, And we're going to talk about inclusion and how to make others feel comfortable. Um, Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you next week here on New Generation.